Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics on sale May 29th, 1995. 1995. 1995. We're going back in time. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. No, we're talking about 2019 new comics. We're going to get you up to speed on all the books, the print issues, the collected editions, stuff that's in our digital apps, and so much more. First book for us to talk about this week is Age of X-Men Extremists Number 4, written by Leah Williams, art by Georges Janti and inks by Roberto Poggi, with colors by Jim Charlampitas. This one here, it's a North Star-focused issue, probably my favorite of the series so far. He's such a jerk, which is super on brand for him. Yeah. But he's this gay mutant who's been trying to deal with his inner feelings in this culture that is extra oppressive of love and affection no matter who you love. And that really bubbles up for him in this issue. And, you know, you see how he's been dealing with it in various ways. And then by the end, it's just like, yeah, oh boy. Yeah, I thought it was a great, like, pathway out in a way. You know what I mean? As these Age of X-Men books have kind of started to, um, as the very Age of X-Men has started to kind of crumble from its foundations it's cool to see the different ways different creative teams have kind of interpreted that and uh, i thought this was a really organic great example of that yeah the veil gets lifted you know for so many characters by the end there like there's this scene by the end of like the sadness and loss and frustration that is so palpable uh of of, like everything that's falling apart it's it's Mm -hmm. so I hate to say it's wonderful, but it's really so well done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I have to give a big shout out to cover artist Raza because this is one of the best covers Come on. of he, all of Age of X-Men. He never doesn't yeah. crush. True. It's so good. Very true. Yeah. Okay, my first book this week is Amazing Spider-Man number 22, and this is Hunted Part 6. The saga concludes here, and what a fun time it's been. I think I'll look back on this Hunted event with the kind of dot .hu issues in between. I got to zoom in and focus in on, on characters we don't always get to see that often uh, at the end. It's written by Nick Spencer, pencils by Umberto Ramos, inks by Victor Olazaba and Umberto Ramos, colors by Edgar Delgado and Eric Arciniega, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. We talked about it at the very beginning, I think in the first issue of Hunted, about the inspiration and, and the, the similarities that Nick and company very, very deliberately built into this, harkening back to Craven's Last Hunt. Uh, and this is another issue that I think the most since that first one really reads in a similar vein. Uh, I think this has been just such a well-measured series um, with a lot of great twists and turns and kind of chess moves along the way. And that that macrocosm is kind of encapsulated in this microcosm because we go on quite a roller coaster ride here um not just with spidey but with other characters along the way i'm thinking of the likes of vulture of dr kirk connors and then of course sergey kravenov himself uh as well as the kind of craven family i remember sitting down with nick before this even started wasn't sure what to expect hats off crushed it yeah there's like an eight panel sequence of close-ups yeah it's a very violent sequence but the close-ups are so close you don't see all you get the effect of it yeah and then it's all colored red yeah and it's so visceral and so well done it's 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 really great comicking uh but when you said the craven family or the cravenoff family i just got this sense of like a wacky comic book family like <laughs> oh there's uncle cravy yeah and there's like cravo the wonder dog which and is you know it's like all like played under uh like uh greatest american hero theme song yeah and they're like turning to camera <laughs> sister crab <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know oh there's you know mama cravy crave whatever it is fun idea yeah in execution fun because it's a great comic book but also Really intense and sad (laughs) and great. Uh, All right. Next book is Black Panther number 12. This one is written by Tanahasi Coates with art by Jen Bartel and layouts by Chris Enka with Triona Farrell on colors and VCs Joe Sabino on lettering. This one's cool because it gives us a look at uh, at the how and the why and the when T'Challa and Manifold embarked on their journey, which has been a huge thing of like how this fits in and what was going on and, and like showing us those moments is really key. It also is important of showing how Panther is coming to terms with 
all the things presently, you know, with what he's dealing with and where he's about to go uh, because he's he's got a big battle ahead of him. Yeah. Um, I also just wanted to say we've talked a lot about the kind of rotating crew of artists on, on Black Panther. I, I like have been waiting. I, I love every single issue. I love the look of this book. Uh, and I think it's it's so specific to this book. But I've been waiting for Jen Bartel to come back around and do get another issue just because I love her work so much. Okay, next up is Daredevil number six, which is written by Chip Zdarsky with pencils by Lalit Kumar Sharma, inks by Jay Leistein, and colors by Java Tartaglia. With letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is a really, really different issue. I mean, this is part one of, of a new story arc, and rightfully so. There's kind of a very different tone to it. I really love the way that uh, Lalit, the penciler on this issue, draws Wilson. Be- he's like he's like Juggernaut, but flesh. You know, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he, it's terrifying. I, I have a big love for whenever. Kingpin gets into his karate gi, yes. like his martial arts gi. Yeah. Like when he gets the like, business is about to pick up <laughs> yeah. and get out of the way. Yeah, it's such a fun aspect of the character. So good, but overall, I uh, I mean, Marco Caquetto is the is the regular series artist on this book. We know the the enormous amount of work um, that must go into these things. So to to see a, a guest artist come in for this issue was really fun. It actually gave me a lot of vibes of like Marvel Knights era. Um, kind of uh, Kevin Smith, uh, Joe Quesada, Daredevil. I'll read pretty much everything that Chip writes, and uh, this is no exception. Yep. All right. Up next is Fantastic Four number 10. This is a War of the Realms tie-in. It is written by Dan Slott, with art by Paco Medina and Kevin Labranda, colors by Jesus Adabertov, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, so this one is, is cool. And when I, I love when you... When a tie-in to a big event really straddles that line between bringing you directly into the event, but also keeping you fully grounded in the overall story that's being told. I think that's such an important thing to do because you're going to have people who just read Fantastic Four who are not reading War of the Realms. You're going to have people who are reading War of the Realms who don't read Fantastic Four Mm -hmm. normally. And so you have to find that balance to do it right uh, so that maybe you can flip them so that they – those people who are only reading one start to read the other. And I think this does a great job of, of offering that opportunity mm-hmm. because it presents a story about the Fantastic Four fitting into their new home on Yancey Street. You know, we're, we're 10 issues in. We haven't had a chance to really situate to where they are now because of all the Doctor Doom stuff, because of everything that's been going on. And as soon as they start to, like, get there, the War of the Realms shows up. But it, it gives so much life and color, personality and character to the neighborhood, which is, you know, they look at it as like one little you know stretch of, of, of like blocks on mm-hmm. in New York City. But down there you have the people who grew up with Ben Grimm. You have the next generation of those kids who have a very sense of identity mm-hmm. for being part of what Yancey Street is. You have Lunella Lafayette and her family and Devil Dinosaur. We end up seeing a block party. You got a bunch of fun fights, some family stuff. I love, 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 love pouty moody teenage franklin richards he's <laughs> such a turd but it's great fun he's a great fun turd yeah and uh you know all the war of the realm stuff it it sort of like explodes upon them and then you know washes over them as need be uh so you get a sense of it without it overwhelming everything if you're just a fantastic four reader totally and an awesome bill kasinkevich uh, variant cover on that one loved it Oh, yeah, the, the so, Herbie one. Yeah, so good. Yeah, Herbie, uh, when I do This Week in Marvel History, Herbie would have just been introduced into Marvel Comics. Do you know what Herbie stands for? Oh, it, yes. I wrote it down. <laughs> and it is, I love you comics. It's so convoluted. It's like, nonsense. It's such a stretch. Yeah. It is the stretchiest. <laughs> it, it stretches further than Reed Richards. Right. And I love it so much, <laughs> but it is bonkers. There's. Nice. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. Uh, what would the what would the if if it was like Ryan was if you were a robot like that? What would R dot Y dot A dot N stand for? Dot. Really? Yeah. Uh, what what is a word that starts with Y? Yep. I was thinking yawning. Yawn. Really yummy. Really yummy and nutritious. 
<laughs> Whoa. All right, look out. Yeah. Uh, cannibals. <laughs> Robot cannibals. <laughs> yeah. I have to watch out for them. Okay, uh, next up is Giant Man number two, which is written by Leah Williams, drawn by Marco Castiello, colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, lettered by VC's Joe Sabino. This is turning out to be such a fun crew between Scott Lang, Raz Malhotra, Tom Foster, and Eric Jostin. They have such a specific dynamic that is kind of like... It's kind of buddy cop. It's kind of Keystone cops almost. It's just like these four kind of like goofuses who are off on this very serious mission but go about it in a very unorthodox oh, way. Yeah. And th- that's what's so fun about it. And and hats off to, to Leah because she just absolutely crushes that dynamic. I think it's something so specific and I think it's something that's kind of easy to pitch or be like, oh, it's going to be this kind of vibe. But in execution, I feel like it's really hard to kind of conjure that tone because it's just a feeling as much as it is like specific scene setups or dialogues or things like that. Uh, So it's really fun to see them go to the land of frost giants and kind of square off toe to toe with those frost giants, not just in the way that like, oh, this is a fight happening or something like that, but in the way that it's kind of like almost like socially i don't know there are like some really fun parallels that emerge between them in the way that the frost giants themselves are also played is so fun and kind of just matches the the overall spirit of the book in the best way yeah i'm really loving giant man and i'll just cap it off by saying look at these absolute units did you (laughs) see what that rascal chris robinson put on the cover for number two oh my god it's 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 not i'll be honest (laughs) i love you chris it's not quite as Incredible. It says, you know what this means. <laughs> it's real good, but still, look at these absolute units is yeah. A+. Plus. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be on my Mount Rushmore of like Marvel Comics moments for 2019. Yep. All right. Speaking of Marvel Comics moments for 2019. Seriously. It's time to talk about Immortal Hulk number 18, and it is my first pick of the week. It is written by Al Ewing. Pencils by Joe Bennett, inks by Roy Jose, colors by Paul Mounts, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Man, oh man. Relentless. I I don't even know. I like I it feels like we we talk about how incredible and weird and nightmarish and devastating this book is every single time an issue comes out, but it, I can't help it. Yeah. I can't help it. Yeah. This one is super tough because I don't know what to say about it that won't spoil. Yeah, I know. A ton of things, but also, you know, part of our goal here is to get you listeners to check out these comics. And if there's anyone out there who listens to this show who is not already reading Immortal Hulk, either through Marvel Unlimited and like somehow waiting yeah. for six months for a new issue, you know, like that that lag, or you know, if you're not reading it regularly, some way, shape, or form. I don't know what to do. I don't know what we could Maybe do Maybe you, you, you don't like scary stuff because this is a nightmare book. Yeah. And yeah, in yeah. the best way possible. Yeah. Um, this is easily one of my favorite comics that we're putting out right now. If it keeps at this pace of all time, it'll be up there with, you know, your, your Jason Aaron on Thor mm-hmm. and, and like, you know, those incredible runs. But this issue, as I said, is a nightmare. They've done something to this abomination, which has turned the monster into from like a great enemy of the Hulk and sort of a match for him physically into one of the most horrific creatures in all of Marvel comics, like, like ever. Yeah. Uh, it's something out of, I don't know how familiar Tucker you are with Japanese horror manga. Mm. They get to some really awful nightmarish things. There are some incredible visuals you know what's coming to mind what's that jim zub remember when when jim zub wrote that um like manga inspired avengers story you remember this you gotta remember this and it was like the avengers were fighting and it was this brother and sister and the brother was like this melty monster freak and it was like um Keep talking. I'm going to look it up because you got to remember this. We read it. We read this. We read a lot of comics. I know, we read right. like a hundred comics right. every month. Keep keep talking. I'm Just look for it up. this show. Okay. Okay. Uh, but I, I I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. And so yeah, like 
this idea of this just something mind-shatteringly horrifying to the point where you see it and it's just your brain has a hard time comprehending it. That's what this book is done with the abomination. And I love it so much. But this issue, it just builds and builds and builds to the last few pages. And, you know, every issue of Immortal Hulk has these builds. They come in different places in the different issues. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes there's this wonderful cliffhanger. But this one just seems like it just goes straight up a cliff and then it explodes right at the end. Yeah. There's a double page spread right at the end and then the sort of reaction to it, which is a revelation, is the explosion going off. Mm-hmm. There's also something that is really well done by Joe in the way he designs his panels. They are when it gets really hairy, he starts shifting them so they're not, you know, horizontal mm-hmm. or vertical. They are off kilter. Mm-hmm. The way you look at them, there's they're just breaking the page. They are twi- not twisted, but they you're just you have to sort of tilt your head. And this is there's a sense of disorientation that comes with that. That is very deliberate and is so smart. It's the masterful comics. The Jim's up story I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Zombies assemble. Remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the artist uh, is a Japanese artist. Yes. Yeah. Uh, right. Very good. Uh, also, I would say that part of the success and the continued elegance of Immortal Hulk, some credit also has to be given to Will Moss and Come Sarah on. Brunstead. Yeah. Uh, the the editorial team, uh, you know, working with pushing the whole team forward. There's so much unsaid about what the editors do, allow, advise, provide, all of that is very crucial. Yeah, I, I, I actually think about that editorial office a lot. I mean, we have some yeah. outstanding, incredible editors in this building. I think about that office a lot as being like, these, Will, Will and Sarah, I don't know how, uh, but these two were literally just like built in a lab to make amazing comics. I mean, if you look at some of the most idiosyncratic well, like well-received, perfect books over the last five years. So many of them come out of uh, that office. It's amazing. And it's fascinating because in that same office, you get Immortal Hulk and Unbeatable Squirrel yeah, Girl. Yeah, Then they may be working on those books on the same day. They could not be further apart. They could not be, you know, any more, like, perfect. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. Moving on to Magnificent Ms. Marvel, number three. This is written by Saladin Ahmed, with pencils by Minkyu Jung, inks by Juan Velasco, colors by Ian Herring, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. We've been kind of teased with this kind of bigger, kind of alien, more cosmic element to Kamala's story since the very end of of issue number one. Uh, And that's really starting to expand in a big way. Um, as a New Jerseyan, I love it when we see things like the first scene takes place in Morristown Municipal Airport. I got a bone to pick with you, New Jersey. Yeah. You, Tucker. <laughs> I went to New Jersey to go to a Godzilla pop-up shop this yeah. past weekend. On yeah. Sunday, it opened Saturday. Sunday, it was almost completely picked clean. <laughs> it took me 20 minutes to drive there from my house. It took me over an hour to get home. Wow. Jersey destroyed <laughs> me that. I tried to go to a comic shop that was like two miles away from where I was. I was yeah. like, well, I'm here. I'm going to yeah. find a comic shop. I couldn't because Jersey was – there was just so much traffic and it was a nightmare. I was so angry at New Jersey. All right, Jersey, represent. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love little little things like that. And, and it's been a really fascinating combination of things because – and I think it's, it's a testament to Saladin – as a master storyteller, because we have this cosmic element, this kind of uh, new world and new um, people and new elements, this kind of like this kind of royalty. It's 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 interesting as you as you uncover it. But we also have Kamala's family. We have Kamala's parents. We have the things that are uh, keep her grounded in the most way. So when we when you combine those two things, it, it just is the perfect 
one-two punch because you are able to explore these big concepts and ideas without ever losing um, what you're tethered to and, and what's at the core of Kamala, what she's doing it all for, what her conflict is. Uh, and I love that. I love that combination of things. And um, so, yeah, really loving what's happening in, in Ms. Marvel right now. I think it's it's so fresh and so new and, and Saladin there's a reason why he's uh, writing two of the biggest titles right now. I think he's just the best. Heck yeah. All right, next up is Major X Number 4, written by Rob Liefeld, pencils by Brent Peoples, inks by Adelso Corona, with colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr., with letters by VCs Joe Sabino. We got Old Man Namor up in this issue, a little bit of a <laughs> silver fox is there a, a sea fox? Silver sea fox? Is that a thing? Mm. Are there foxes in the sea? Sure. There are sea cows, right? There are. There's a lot we don't know about the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say there are real sea foxes <laughs> out there, and Namor, he's one of them. <laughs> we get another Dreadpool versus Major X fight, more uh, really cool, fun Atlantean stuff. Um, a very neat and ominous last page setting up what's coming for the next issue, uh, but just this whole, like, pocket world that rob is is thought up is yeah. bursting with energy and characters and ideas um because it's, it's rob that's what he does um uh you said the the words old man in there and that makes me think of old man logan which makes me think of conversations that my old deskmate john delalo and i have uh over on the office floor he has proposed character ideas for oldman logan which is just uh logan played by gary oldman and yesterday came up with another beaut, Goldman Logan, which is just, he just gets like huge bonuses, <laughs> like the for 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 his work. I'm the best there is at what I do. <laughs> what I do is get paid. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on to Marvel Rising number three, which is written by Nyla Magruder with art by Roberto DiSalvo and George Duarte, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is just relentlessly fun. It's relentlessly energetic. This team, the makeup of this team between America and Squirrel Girl, Kamala, um, Inferno, Quake, Miles, and as well as kind of the supporting cast that, that jumps in and out, it's... Like, how could it not be fun? It's just the dang best. I mean, there's a reason why this crew is together. They're just full of youth and energy. And credit, though, to Nyla Magruder and, and the rest of the, the creative team because pointing that in the right direction, I feel like, is is a big task, n nevertheless, um, uh, and, and making it work. Heck, yeah. All right. We've got a game reverse title here. It's Marvel's Spider-Man City at War number three, written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam, art by Michele Bandini, colors by David Curiel, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, so th this issue focuses on Mary Jane, sort of like last issue was a bigger focus on Miles. That said, you're still going to get your Spider-Man stuff. You're still getting, you know, uh, Peter Parker stuff. You're going to get Miles Morales stuff in here. But we get more of what's going on inside. In more of what's going on inside. Inside, you bairn. <laughs> getting more of what's inside uh, Mary Jane's head, which adds great layers to the story of the game. One of my favorite scenes in the game is, is actually portrayed in here. And it's just a sweet scene where you're not actually playing you are seeing Peter and Mary Jane talking, sussing out, like, the big problem that they're working through. They're not together at that point in the game. Uh, and she's like, we should work together as partners. I'm trying to break the story. You're trying to do superhero stuff. We can help each other. Uh, and he cooks dinner for her. And then in the middle of it, he gets an alert and he changes clothes in her apartment. And she's like, did you just leave your clothing on my kitchen floor? And he's like, ah, ah, sorry, gotta go, bye. <laughs> it's really fun. Okay, next up is my first pick of the week, and that is Star Wars 108. We're jumping back in time. Gotta go back in time. Back in time. Uh, uh, that was more like, uh, what is what, Dave Matthews? Oh, then, yeah. Uh, yeah. Huey Lewis? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, because this is a one-shot issue that essentially uh, follows up 
after issue, of course, 107 of the original 1977 through 1986, I believe, Star Wars comic. So there is, as you can imagine, so much awesome, out there, wonderful, old school Star Wars comic weirdness in here. Such a great, I think specifically... 80s vibes throughout this book which were just so much fun from Matt's writing through the characters that show up through the way it's visualized in the art all so good I say Matt because it is written by Mr. Matthew Rosenberg with eight different chapters inside all with different pencilers Uh, chapter one is Giuseppe Camicoli and Cam Smith with uh, Andrea Bocardo. Chapter two is Carrie Gamal and Zay Carlos. Chapter three, Andrea Bocardo. Chapter four, Jan Dursema. Chapter five, Andrea Bocardo. Uh, chapter six, Stefano Landini. Chapter seven, Luke Ross. Chapter eight, Leonard Kirk. Colors throughout by Chris Sotomayor and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Man, it's so good. One, I love the fact that like Mark Panicia and, and Tom Groman and the people at Lucasfilm put this together. Because uh, it's a celebration of what is now Star Wars Legends. It's a celebration of characters from years past. And, uh, you know, I think in a, in a world that rightfully values continuity and a very specific kind of universe to jump in and celebrate these characters to uh, make this issue 108. I think it's just done for the sake of the of love of these characters. One, I just relished the crap out of being able to read a Matt Rosenberg Han Solo, which just tonally feels like a match made in heaven. I mean, that is like the wit, the charm, kind of just the spirit of, of Han Solo, how he gets himself into trouble, how he gets himself out of trouble, just feels like something that's made for Matt Rosenberg to write. But also, I got to say, the star here. And when this book was announced and it was announced that Matt was writing it, I tweeted at that dude and I said, this guy better be in here. And he said, you know, it will be. And he was right because he made it happen. And here it is. And it's Mr. Jackson. Hey, buddy. Green Rabbit, right? Yeah. I don't know anything about these characters. Jackson is a rabbit man and it is the most weird, makes no sense uh, Star Wars uh, ness out there. Well, I mean, you have to put it in perspective, right? So, yeah. they the the original Star Wars comics creative teams weren't allowed to play outside the box with a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the core characters, so they had to make up stuff. Yeah. And at that time, it wasn't like there was a playbook of here are all our races, here are all our planets, and all this stuff. They were just like. Sure. Maybe there's a giant yeah. rabbit people. We've got a giant walking carpet. Yeah. Like, we'll have that. Let's have the, the giant rabbit people. And so you turn him into a bounty hunter. It's like, great. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. I It, it works in that wonderfully weird Star Wars way. Um, it's just so much fun. And I, I want to give a special shout out because the, the cover here is by Mr. Walter Simonson, who put in a legendary run on... This original comic back in the day, you know, one of the the great Marvel creators ever. He does a, a great cover here with a- Antonio Fabella. Um, just such a, a wonderful celebration all the way throughout. Uh, loved it. So much fun. Congrats to involved. And there's really great back matter in there of, yeah. like, perspectives from the original creative teams, people who worked on those books. Joe Duffy, who was the last writer of the original Marvel Star Wars series. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really cool stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, All right, up next is Star Wars Vader Dark Visions, number four, written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam, with art by Stephen Mooney, colors by Lee Lowridge, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Each issue of this series has been looking at the ways Vader comes in and affects people's lives, what it does to them psychologically, physically, you know, their culture, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. This one is neat because you see him here as a pure force of terror for our POV character, this, you know, he's like a pilot for the rebellion who's, you know, had some issues when he was a kid with uh, with the Empire, like a bunch of things going on. But it's Vader and like how the idea of him, the specter, the sight of Vader can simply break the will 
of someone, and I found that so powerful. Yeah, so good. Oh, from a galaxy far, far away to New Orleans. From a galaxy far, far away to the swamps of New Orleans. Why did my accent go there? It's not like that. Is that New I Orleans? I feel like you could have you could have channeled it. You could have harnessed yeah. that into like Creole kind of yeah. like no kind of thing. Well, I'm we don't want to offend like, everyone. That's true. I'm I'm thinking of like uh, I'm just thinking of True Detective season one. That's sure. all I think of. Still never seen just that show. Like Marty Hart. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we are talking about Freeform's original series, Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. Uh, In season one, we met Ty and Tandy as they discovered their new superpowers. Ty, uh, a.k.a. Cloak, can control the Realm of Darkness. And Tandy, a.k.a. Dagger, can shoot daggers of light from her hands. And throughout the season, we've seen that there are such bigger things for the duo to deal with. All, you know, whether they're in front of them or on the horizon, they've had to embrace their powers. And they've really had to deal with it very quickly because mayhem is here. Uh, So tune in to watch season two of Marvel's Cloak and Dagger Thursdays on Freeform. Okay, now coming from back from New Orleans. Whoa, what a trip that was. I got me some (laughs) boudin balls and some gator. I I don't know what either of those things are. Uh, Boudin balls are delicious. Wow. They're great. Um, A delicacy. Let me introduce you to a New Jersey delicacy that I like to call... I don't know. Roadkill. <laughs> <laughs> does, does Jersey have anything? Mm, probably. Good diners. Great diners. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Hang out in a diner for four hours, get like two meals because you like eat, and then you're just hanging out for so long, and then you eat again. I've done that so many times. Great pastime. All right. Uh, we're going then from New Jersey Diners over to Superior Spider-Man number six. This is written by Christos Gage with pencils by Mike Hawthorne, inks by Wade Von Graubadger, uh, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Marvel editor uh, Chris Robinson. I feel like he's kind of the, like the fifth Beatle in a way. We talk about it all, all, Chris a lot. But uh, he's talked about this book a lot online, and he says that he thinks this is a, a book that – uh, people are sleeping on. Um, is he the editor? I don't think so. No, I was going to say, it's not one of his yeah. books. No, it's not. I like he just that. Loves he just it. loves yeah. it. It's great. Um, uh, this is a book that people are, that is like underrated. And I got to say, just listen off that creative team. Like those are all stars. Uh, I know. All the way, <laughs> uh, all the way down the line. That's, that's, that's a really amazing uh, crew. And uh, look, it shows. Um, this is a story that sees really awesome kind of unconventional team up between the superior Spider-Man and Doctor Strange as they take down or as they attempt to take down Pandemonium, which is like a master pandemonium. Sorry. He earned that title. He did not go to four years of villain school just for me to forget master. Okay. There's a kind of orange hue over the entire issue because things are burning. It's kind of, it has this kind of like apocalyptic tone, but it's, it's really fun specifically to see how strange and Otto octavius work together where they clash where they uh kind of line up in certain ways it's one of those series that kind of occupies a space all its own it's 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 very specific and i think it just crushes every issue i love master pandemonium i think he's it's a cool design for him here he's like composed of demonic body like human bodies he's possessed that are sort of glommed on to him to keep his like mm-hmm. core body safe but nothing beats master pandemonium when he's got baby hands yeah. baby like <laughs> he has like both of his hands were turned into small babies yeah and then it's just a horrible thing <laughs> or they were like full-on demons yeah like little tiny like look like they were out of ghoulies almost right right right, oh, right. just the most twisted, messed up character design, and I love it so yeah. much. I am here for him. Yeah. <sighs> Sweet boy. Anyway, <laughs> up next we have Thanos number two, written by Teeny Howard with art by Ariel Olivetti, colors by Antonio Fabella, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And it's my second pick of the week. Um, look, I don't want to... Hey, look, I don't want to shine too bright a light on this issue because when uh, somebody... If, Hey, look, if somebody walked up to me in the old hallway here at Marvel HQ and said, hey, what do you think of when I say Thanos and number two? I, uh, you know, 
get a big uh, purple nightmare in my brain. You know what I'm talking about? Who's this guy? <laughs> Who is this guy? This is your like Borscht Belt uh, <laughs> comedian version of you. Seriously. Yeah, this is like you just. You know what? Look out, folks. Like you're you're in Dirty. You, have you seen Dirty Dancing? Yes. You are one of the comedians yeah, playing yeah. at the club yeah. in Dirty Dancing. At um, the, at the, at the, please, everybody write in to anyone even tangentially involved with Marvel just to tell them to make this stop before it starts. Otherwise, you will be plagued with this dude forever because I like him. I, I'm uh, into it. <laughs> anyway, 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 anyway. Um, Thanos... Uh, is, uh, you know, got off to such uh, an exceptional start. And I think just purely on just a pitch level, I think it's such a great concept. It's an area that has been talked about a lot for a lot of different reasons, but being able to examine it with this creative team in an entire limited series devoted just to the dynamic between the Mad Titan and Gamora as Gamora grows you know, where that line is between being taken from her home and between uh, having this kind of complicated relationship with this father figure. It's such complex territory. It feels like very fertile ground. I really love the direction that Teeny takes Thanos specifically because I think at his best, Thanos is one of the most complicated villains around i think the world has gotten to know that over the last couple of years in a big way but that that has deep roots in comic books so to be able to uh, dig into that in a very laser focused way is so much fun because you know he it, you know he has big ideas he has big goals but uh at his core there's something a lot more human than i think people would originally expect to see and i say human in in terms of not literally but in terms of a heart something that is relatable and and, um, understandable but also you know undeniably you know evil but teeny does a great job of showing his fragility yes uh which doesn't and, and at the same time not diminishing from the threat yeah it's a very difficult thing to do yeah to show just how, as you say, human he is. And in most cases that takes him down a peg, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't. Yeah. It just, it almost makes him scary. Exactly. At its best, I think that's exactly what that can do. It's it's actually, because I think when you think of a a faceless monolithic evil, you can kind of um, shrug it off and just say, oh, that's this other thing. I don't relate to it. That's evil. That's bad. It's entirely like that's foreign in every single way. But it's actually, like you said, it's scarier to find something in common with this great evil. And Ariel, at one point, there's a big splash page of Thanos holding up Gamora. Mm -hmm. And the sense of scale in that that drawing, uh, like it is the prototypical, that is the vision of Thanos I see in my head when I close my eyes. Mm. In his comic book, you know, like war regalia, the, the the classic look of him, so big, so menacing, so ter- terrifying. Yeah. Like that is that's that's my Thanos. Yeah. Okay. Next up, we have Thor number thirteen. It's written by Mr. Jason Aaron with art by Mike Del Mundo, colors by Mike Del Mundo uh, and Marco D'Alfonso, letters in production by VCs Joe Sabino. This is the Ballad of Cole Borson, God of fear uh what a fun issue um i don't i i don't know how jason aaron does what he does obviously on a creative level but literally just like on a physical level because he's doing so much work and so much incredible work you would never guess that he's writing like i don't know how many different books how many different series because just every single submission by him is incredible it just maintains the standard that we've come to expect from him this is the ballad of cole borson like i said so it's just so much fun and you know it's mike del mundo so uh you know it's it's obviously just going to be amazing heck yeah all right, we've got two more War of the Realms books coming up. First one is War of the Realms, Spider-Man and the League of Realms, number two, written by Sean Ryan, illustrated by Nico Leone, colors by Carlos Lopez, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. It's, it's fun here because Spider-Man is leading this squad, and he's looking at a way to not fight. And that's 
why Thor chose him because he's got a heart. He knows that Spider-Man is not going to wage war, you know, unnecessarily. Uh, and so he goes there into this war zone and by the end of the last issue you saw he's maybe changing some minds and we find out how and why here so it opens with this big heartbreaking bit uh revealing why fernand the commanding angel Mm -hmm. why she would switch allegiances and it is yeah it's it, it, it it hits you and then at the end you have another heartbreaking bit with some words whispered by a villain and, you know, it's a villain who's basically saying, please help me, kill me, you know, yeah. in the midst of just destroying heroes and, and waging war. Like that that book ending, the, the story with those things, I thought was really, really well done here. Uh, I will not give away all, all the bits and pieces, but I'm eager. <laughs> it makes me like wish we had the, the next issue. Like yeah. I don't always be like, I need to binge. I want to see what the next issue of this is very soon. Nico, uh, got to give a big shout out to Nico Leon because goes from that the sexy and sweet like opening page mm-hmm. to super sad and then to big and these oversized action and then like amps, 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 amps the action by the end of the issue. It's really well done. Totally. Okay, next up we have War of the Realms, War Scrolls, number two. <laughs> Which has three different stories in it, including a Daredevil story, The God Without Fear Part 2 by, yeah, Jason Aaron, drawn by Andrea Sorrentino with colors by Matthew Wilson. And then we have a Doctor Strange story, which is written by Devin Grayson, drawn by Paul Davidson, colored by Andres Mosa. And then a Wiccan and Hulkling story called My Drag Brunch with Loki, uh, written by Anthony uh, Oliveira, uh, drawn by Nick Robles, and colored by Chris Peters, with letters throughout by VC's Joe Sabino. And it's my second pick of the week. Woo! I love a good anthology. Yeah. And this is a great anthology. And this is what I'm talking about with Jason Aaron. Like, this Daredevil story, I don't want to preempt your, your talking points, but holy crap. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. You got Kingpin with some dark elf magic powers and a giant friggin' hammer versus Daredevil, who's the god without fear with a giant friggin' sword. <laughs> they get to fight. It is terrific. There's a page with two panels in it where Kingpin and Daredevil are leaping at each other on the top panel, and they're kind of small in frame. It really gives a sense of the perspective. Uh, each of them with their magic weapons about to go at each other. And then you get a big sound effect right there, bridging the two panels is boom, and mm. you can see inside the letters the weapons hitting each other next panel is down daredevil goes being like just rocketed through layers of new york city uh which is so cool but then you go to the next page another boom inside the word is daredevil's fist punching fisk's face and the the caption says i've punched people every kind of way you can imagine but i've never punched anyone through a building before <laughs> it's so so good. Uh, that was really great. The second story is about Doctor Strange and how he saved most of the population of New York and how he was fighting to protect the realm against other forces. For me, the, the juice here is really letting Paul Davidson draw a really cool version of Eternity. Uh, it is gorgeous and it's, you know, it's weird in Paul's way. Looks so good. And then a very sinister looking nightmare. Mm. Paul, you know, we've been, you know, hyping up his stuff for the last like, couple months and different books he's worked on. Love it, love it, love it. But the it really all comes home in the third story because it's so sweet and so sad. At the beginning of the story, it's like a flashback to Thor and Loki as kids with Freya and Odin. Loki turns Thor into a little bear cub in mm-hmm. a scene uh, from their childhood. And, like You get really great Odin dialogue of frustration and annoyance. And just he's just like an exasperated dad. And Loki's, you know, like he turned Thor into a bear and the bear's climbing out. And it's really <laughs> cute. And Freya's like using this as a teaching moment yeah, yeah. with Loki. And it's so domestic and so pure. This story with Loki being involved, it takes place before and during War of the Realms. And you have this great dialogue eventually between Billy and Loki that'll break your damn heart. It is talking about friendship and love and trust and and Loki constantly struggling with who he is, what he's done, what he can be, who he believes in, who believes in, like all these things. It's all this broiling, like 
mess of frustrations and love and, and emotions, it is wonderful. You get to this big War of the Realms moment, which if you are reading War of the Realms, you know what happens with Loki right at the beginning of the story and how that affects Wiccan and Hulkling. Oh, it's great. It is fantastic. I absolutely love this one. Totally. Up next is Wolverine, The Long Night, number five. Uh, this one is written by Benjamin Percy, art by Marcio Takara, colors by Matt Mila, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, this is the one with the, all the big final revelations. Secrets revealed. Uh, I really dig, most importantly, the last page of Wolverine talking about who he is, what he does, and sometimes you need a guy like him to take care of things. And it's just very, it's very wolverine uh, I'm not going to spoil anything. If you've not r- listened to the podcast, then there's secrets about a bunch of different characters in here. Nothing to spoil. I mean, there's plenty I could spoil, but I won't. Yeah. Um, okay, my last issue this week is X-23, number 12. It's written by Mariko Tamaki uh, with pencils by Diego Lortegui. Uh, inks by Walden Long, colors by Chris O'Halloran, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Uh, I've really enjoyed that we've, we're just on a little two... Um, two-issue story arc right here, uh, this being the second, that focuses in on not just the relationship between Laura and Gabby, but Gabby specifically and Gabby's perspective on her status as a superhero. Her mission. Know, her mission. Like what she believes in yeah. and how she needs to move forward. Yeah, yeah. And and I think it's a, a wonderful mix of exactly that, this kind of like her responsibilities as a superhero, what her mandate is. But also it being, you know, at the end of the day, she's a kid, you know, and I think there's a really wonderful mix of that in here. Mr. Tom Taylor stopped by Marvel HQ last week. It was a delight to talk to him. I know we both got to sit down with him for a little while. And obviously he put in uh, some amazing work with All New Wolverine, with Laura and Gabby. Co-created Gabby. Uh, Exactly. I mean, making uh, kind of being... Uh, you know, defining this relationship. And uh, so I, I get to, you know, geek out a little bit and just tell them how much uh, I love that. And and, and so but here we actually will have Tom on This Week in Marvel soon. He gives much praise to uh, Mariko and, and this book and talks about, you know, the the love that Gabby has gotten. I am officially one of the guardians of Gabby, and uh, I, I wear that title proudly. Um, uh, yeah, and and rightfully so. I mean, uh, the the writing on on this book is stellar. Um, I just love any story that allows more focus on Gabby. I, I you know we've talked about it so many times. One of the the best new Marvel characters in recent years. So crucial to get to know this character more and more and more throughout the years. So another great one. Yeah. All right, last book of the week. Uh, both X-23 and my next book would were very nearly yeah. picks of mine. Yeah. Uh, the last one is X-Men Grand Design Extinction, number one. Whole kit and caboodle by your boy, Ed Piscor. Oh, So good. Uh, this one is, as Nick Lowe would say, the tasty juice. <laughs> uh, this covers X-Men in the mid-'80s from around the time of – Baby Cable's birth, which is around issue 200 of Uncanny X-Men, through the Mutant Massacre, the battle against the Trickster with Forge and Storm, and um, the X-Men's death in, quote-unquote, death in, well, I wouldn't say, quote-unquote, they died. They were just saved. (laughs) Uh, Their death in Dallas, the X-Men's time in the Australian Outback, the end of Inferno, and, and a bunch more. It is wonderful, and I, you know, we've talked about this every time we get one of these special issues, the way Ed weaves all the stories together from the pages of X-Men and the other X-Books together. It's New Mutants, it's X-Factor, uh, and brings them all together with into this one big tapestry to tell you this chronological story. Um, and then, of course, there's a whole slew of references in the back going page by page for you to read the original books if you so choose. It is tremendous yeah in a, in a similar vein to how we talk about immortal hulk if you're an x fan uh or really if you're a marvel fan th- for me these grand design issues are required reading because there's so much artistry there's so much talent going into it he has such a specific look to his characters which i love it's so classic but it's also um it's it's just so much fun um uh and and, and you can tell how much love is put behind every everything because this has been uh, a labor of love, years in the making, um, just, you know, like you said, writing, 
illustrating, coloring, lettering, the whole thing. Um, and you can really feel that. Yeah. And I would say if you're not an X-Men fan, even a bigger reason yeah. to read uh, Ed's you know, grand design books, all of them, just to see exactly why folks love the X-Men. Yeah. I think yeah. it really it hits at home. Totally. Okay, those are the issues on sale this week. Collections on sale uh, include Daredevil, Fearless Origins, Kirby is fantastic, uh, Marvel Comics, Timeless Tales, Marvel Visionaries, John Romita Sr., Speedball, The Masked Marvel, Spider-Man vs. Mysterio, The Punisher Volume 2, War in Begalia, and X-Force Volume 1, Sins of the Past. Uh, of course, tons of stuff hitting all the apps this week. I wanted to point out on... The Marvel Unlimited front, uh, we've got some Infinity Wars in there. We've got Cloak and Dagger, the MDO digital comic, uh, issue three of that first volume. So you can now read that whole series on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, and then we've got some 90s Silver Surfer, issue negative one. Because if you thought dot <sighs> letters was confusing, we threw negative numbers in there. We did a whole flashback. Uh, like it was a couple months in the the 90s maybe like two months where every series got a negative one to tell a story from the character's past, which actually resulted in terrific comics. Mm. Uh, I highly suggest those. Uh, but we've got a bunch of Silver Surfer in there and so much more. We'll have the full list for you on marvel.com. And uh, yeah, that's it. We're done. Woo! We did it. We did it. Uh, I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. Your Universe.